I'm Caroline, alcoholic addict. <clears throat> Thank you for having me here tonight. Um, and I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic, and I never would have said that before. Or when I did hear people say that, I remember when I first went to treatment, a lady in my treatment center, I think it was her third or fourth time there, and she said in the group what her name was and that she was a grateful recovering alcoholic, and I thought, that gal is batshit crazy. Who in the heck would be saying that, especially being here their third or fourth time? But now I know what she was talking about, so I am going to tell you a little little bit about what it was like, what happened, and, and what it's like today. Um, let's see, I'll start with, um, growing up, um, I started drinking alcohol at the age of 14, um, I think maybe I was destined to be an alcoholic the first time I drank, because I didn't really drink like any of my friends were, we had, my, my brother, um, and I and some, and my husband here, (laughs) actually now, um, had gone to a party, and on our way home from a date, and he said, Caroline, no drinking, at all, and um, I was standing there, and I spotted a bottle of Jack Daniels across the room on a table, and I went straight over it and tipped it back like it was water, and so um, I think for the f- very first time that I drank, I drank alcoholically, but um, really, I grew up really in a great family. My, my parents divorced when I was one and a half, um, and so my mom raised us a lot on her own. The thing I do remember about my mom is um, she was a really good mom. She never missed a ball game, um, and she did the best the best job that she could. But I remember she was she was drunk a lot of the time, or always drinking. Um, no matter what we did or where we went, I mean, I remember being in car accidents and things like that. But she had her wine, and my head would hit the back of the seat, and you know, I just remember that. It's like very vivid in my memory that she was always drinking. She was always sad. Um, or lonely, you could tell, you know, that she had that hole, that, that gaping hole, um, that void she was always trying to fill. So, um, anyway, she ended up remarrying, and we moved to a small town, um, going into the seventh grade, and really, I had, I had a really good childhood. Um, now, I remember my stepdad um, was very verbally abusive, a super control freak, um, Kind of what we see now, or what I see now, it was a dry drunk, now that I know. He was actually um, sober for many, many years from alcohol, and, I mean, we'd have to write on the, um, the shower and permanent marker, I will wipe out shower when I get out each time. <laughs> that kind of control. So, um, it was really crazy, and I just noticed how um, he was angry all the time, and, um, he didn't go to meetings or anything like that, and then um, he started drinking again in my junior year in high school, and then it was game on. We could have parties at our house. All of a sudden, our house was the party house. Um, so really, I was, I was a pretty good kid, um, other than I smoked a little pot, and um, you know, um, we went out to the woods and drank when we were younger, but I do remember I kind of always took it to the next level. Um, I remember I would black out even at a young age. So... Um, one thing I want to say is um, I've, I've loved caring for people since I was just a little girl. At the age of five, I was holding babies on my hips. You know, I was um, wanting to pop pimples. I know that sounds odd, wanting to do all these different <laughs> weird things, you know, like to my brother and whatnot. Well, I love caring for others, and I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be a nurse, a nurse or a pediatrician. And so since the time I was five years old, 
um, I never changed my mind with that. So I graduated from high school, and um, I went to college and um, started my, my, um, my journey on becoming a nurse. I did go to the number one party school in all of Washington State, because that's where I'm from. And um, that was a great school for me um, as a partier. <laughs> I drank myself into an oblivion almost every um, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Blacked out all the time. Drank alcoholically very quickly. Um, you know, losing control of my urine, all kinds of things. And then, you know, I'd be all real remorseful, say I'm never going to drink again. And then it would happen again. So, um, at the age of 21, I, I guess I had had enough. I had drank myself. Um, and into an oblivion too many times, and just, I really hated who I was. I, I really felt almost like suicidal. Um, and so I decided maybe I drank too much when I drank, but I wasn't alcoholic. Um, so I did try going to an AA meeting for the very first time at the age of 21. And I walked into that AA meeting, scared to death, and I just said I was an alcoholic because everybody else did. And then I never went back. I thought, hell, I'm never going back to one of those again. Um, and so I, um, I just quit on my own. And I think I stayed sober for three years. Well, let me just say sober from alcohol. Then I decided I would just smoke pot if I needed to go out or something like that. Or if somebody had a Percocet, I'd pop a Percocet. And I'm just saying this because um, it's part of my story, too. And I think it was just any substance to give that... Uh, just that release of anxiety, because I, looking back, I, I think I really always had um, some kind of hole um, or underlying anxiety of some sort. So let's fast forward. When I graduated, I graduated from nursing school, and um, I got a job and all that. I finished, got my um, bachelor's in nursing. And when I graduated, I packed my Jetta with what I could fit in it, and I moved to Las Vegas um, to be with my boyfriend. And um, moved there and ended up getting my first hospital job in the um, number one trauma center there in ER. It was an amazing place um, to get my nursing experience, but pretty quickly... Those nurses like to have fun. They work hard and they play hard. And we were dealing with all kinds of really devastating things. And so I started drinking again. Um, and real quickly, I kind of spiraled. And so I said to, I ended up getting married and all of that to this guy over here. And um, I ended up getting married and all that stuff. And, and pretty quickly after drinking, I realized, ooh, I've made enough fooling myself. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to move. And so, like the big book says, relocate, because it's going to make everything better. Um, and so I said to him, we went, we went home and um, visited in Washington State. And I said, oh, I'm ready to move back. I got baby fever. And so um, he said, well, find a place to live and a, um, a job, and, and we'll move back. So I called up the local hospital. I said, um, I need an ER job, and they were desperately needed nurses. They said, come on down within the hour, interviewed me, hired me on the spot. I said, all right, I got a job. I got on Craigslist. I found us a house. We went and looked at it. I said, all right, I got us a house. This is literally in the same day. And he said, okay. So we went back. We put our house up for rent in Las Vegas, and it rented in five days. And we packed up our stuff, and we were literally there in, like, 
two or three weeks. So, sober again, sort of. Um, <laughs> from alcohol for quite some time, but I smoked pot on the side there. If I was going to go to a Christmas party, if I was going to go to a birthday party, you know, still needing that alteration. And so, um, fast forward, we um, had our first son, and I was really healthy at this time. Actually, I didn't do anything. I didn't smoke pot, do pills, any of that stuff. Um, And actually, I was probably one of the most happy times as I got pregnant with my first son, Eli. And um, three months after Eli was born, we had gone to a friend's house, a doctor friend, and um, she said, you know, you should um, try some Guinness. It increases your milk production. So the disease has continued to grow. I said, that is a good idea. That is a really good idea. And so on the way home... Um, and he hadn't been drinking either, actually. He hadn't drank for, I think, four or five years, and I think I was on going on three. And um, we did. We stopped on the way home, and we got a six-pack of Guinness, but the tall ones, you know? And, um, yeah. And so we went home, and we drank that, and I kid you not, I could not let go of the toilet bowl. I was sicker than a dog. It, it did increase my milk production. But I couldn't give my baby the milk because if I was feeling that crappy and vomiting and just so sick, um, then I couldn't give that to him. So here we go. It just started a whole nother roller coaster. So I drank at first. It was more controlled. And then it continued to just spiral. And I was drinking every day, um, after work, on the weekends, just getting annihilated. And we lived on a lake, so all the neighbors drank too. And um, before we knew it, we said, oh, we got to move. <laughs> you know, it's just comical when you think about it, because now where I'm at, it's just so clear of what the, the, um, the insanity of it, right? So my husband says, we got to get the hell out of here. We got to move. So we put our house up for rent. I applied for a job. I got a job in 24 hours. Not to mention when I interviewed for that job, I'll say now, being brutally honest, I was already three, four beers in. And I talked, I can do this, I can do that. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, I got that job, and before we knew it, within, I don't know, three weeks maybe, a month, we packed up the U-Haul, and by this time we already had our second baby. So, and I just want to throw in there, If I'm brutally honest, I thought, I did want another baby, but I thought getting pregnant with my second baby would help me stop drinking because I knew in my heart, like, I had a real problem with alcohol. But I just wasn't there yet, and I thought, it's going to make me stop. Well, it didn't. And, you know, I have to live with that today that, you know, I drank. I didn't drink all the time, but I I still drink, and I can count on three, at least three or four occasions that I was drunk. Um, with my second baby, and, um, you know, that causes a lot, of, a lot of shame and guilt, and thank God, by the grace of God, he's, he's okay as of now, and he's so smart, and he's just the best little kid, but, um, you know, it just goes to show this disease and how, how strong it is, because not even that, you know, could I, could I stop, um, and I remember a gal in my treatment center, she actually was very pregnant when she came in, and, and that she couldn't stop. 
And so um, just throwing that in there. So we packed up the kids. We rented our house out. We moved to Minnesota because that's where my husband was based at the time with his job. And once again, drinking died down a little bit. But before I knew it, it picked up raging even worse. Um, Two months of working at my job, they asked me to be part-time educator of the emergency department. By this time, I'm drinking myself into oblivion all day. I'm thinking it's okay to go to preschool orientation with Red Bull and vodka on board like it's my cup of coffee in the morning. Um, I'm sicker than I'll get out. And I um, started to think that it was okay that I would get up in the morning and start drinking and I would have to be to work at 3. Well, I would stop drinking at noon. And I remember my husband saying, Carolyn, you better call in sick. And I said, no, I'm normal. I'm normal. This is, I'm good. You know, because that was my normal. I felt normal. Like if I didn't have it, then I was sick. And so... Um, before I knew it, my, my husband says, Caroline, I think you have a drinking problem. And I said, really? No shit. No shit. Still wasn't ready. And by this time, you know, I couldn't even, I was so wound up tighter than a tick. I couldn't play trains with my kids. I couldn't be on the floor. If that bag was in the wrong spot, I had to go over there and adjust it. I mean, the pillows had to be just so, and don't, don't get me wrong, it's still a little there. You could just ask him. But um, it, was, it was to the point where just, oh, I was, my skin was crawling. I was literally rotting from the inside out, but with a smile on my face, and nobody knew. Nobody knew. So I went to work on a couple occasions like that. Mind you, I'm taking care of patients. Still saving lives, thinking in my brain, I'm good, I can still start IVs and do this and do that. And that's how sick I was. And so I hit my bottom on January 13th. I had to be a char- uh, to a charge nurse retreat on January 14th. And... Um, I went to the liquor store, and Tim said, um, could you pick up some Blue Moon, the beer? And like you guys don't know. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I go to the liquor store that night, and I came home with a box of liquor. And he said, did you get the Blue Moon? And I said, no, I thought this was sufficient. <laughs> and so I um, drank myself into an oblivion that night. I, I drank so much gin. I had to be at a charge nurse retreat. Mind you, I'm, I'm teaching at this thing. I'm, I'm one of the nursing leaders in the department. And, um, and um, I have to say, um, go back a couple months before this. We went home to Washington State. Tim said, no drinking on the trip. Well, by this time, <laughs> that just ain't happening. And so um, I said, well, I just, I just thought to myself, well, I can't do that. So um, we, we go to my mom's house. My mom's boyfriend had a bunch of surgeries. In the bathroom, there was a basket of narcotics, Percocets, Vicodins, all that stuff. I thought, that's going to get me through the trip. So I stole about 13 of those, put them in my pocket. That got me through the trip. When we got back, um, when we got back, I made the decision, the sick decision, because there was days I wasn't taking care of patients, and there was days I was. And so I was always hungover, felt awful, whatever, there's no excuses. Anyways, 
Um, but that's where I was, just full of anxiety, fear, just ugh. And um, so I decided I would go to the medication machine in the ER and um, steal um, a vial of morphine. And I went to the bathroom that day and I shot it in my arm. This is after we got back from that trip. So that started a whole nother ball game for me. And so um, kept drinking. The drinking backed off a teeny bit, but I was still drinking on top of that. And so on that January 13th, like I said, I drank myself to an oblivion. When I woke up that morning, I could barely crawl out of bed. And I went straight to the liquor cabinet. I got the gin. I started pouring the gin so I could get ready and go to this thing. And um, we had had a huge snowstorm. And um, I brushed my teeth, brought my toothbrush, grabbed some peanut butter, whatever I could, Altoids. And um, poured a whole nother gin, brought it with me in the car so that could get me through this charge nurse retreat. And I went. And mind you, it's been about two and a half months I'm diverting um, these medications. And, and not all the time, but... Probably at least four days a week I was injecting these morphine and Dilaudid and whatnot. And I just, I, I wasn't even hiding it. I just was like, come and get me, blatantly, just blatantly stealing it, like self-sabotaging myself. Just come and get me. And you can tell, I'm taking it out with my fingerprint. So you can tell who's doing it. And um, so I uh, left that charge nurse retreat and my boss said, hey, will you put everything you've been working on onto a zip drive? So I can, and I thought, today's the day. I just knew. I could feel it. And that morning, he got a report from the pharmacy saying, hey, I think one of your nurses is, you know, doing something. And um, it was just so blatant. So I, um, I went home. Well, first I went back to the hospital, grabbed my stuff, went out to the parking garage. I said, i got to tell somebody what I've been doing. So I called my sister and told her, everything that I'd been doing, and then I went home, and he, he was home, and um, I just kept drinking cause, so I could figure out, and I kept getting on the internet how to report myself, how to turn myself in, figure out what, what the next steps are, and um, I uh, finally got up the courage, I called him in the living room, and I said, uh, I told him what I'd been doing, I'd, I'd had bruises all over me because I'd been itching, because it makes you itch, and whatnot, and um, and he said, he looked, he looked really fearful. <laughs> like he didn't know what the hell I was going to tell him. But I told him what I'd been doing, and um, he just looked at me and said, Caroline, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through it. You know, and that's exactly what I needed to hear at that moment. So thank God for that. <laughs> um, but I think what's so awesome is God did for me what I could not do for myself. And I talk about this relocation and everything, but I truly believe God took me to Minnesota for a reason because before you knew it, um, within four days, I um, had gone to the doctor. I was figuring out how to detox myself and all that stuff. And within four days, I had assessments and all this. And what do you know, an hour away is one of the number one treatment centers in the world for healthcare professionals. And so... Um, I got admitted to there, and when he dropped me off, I can honestly say I just, I, I literally just was able to go like this. I just felt like, thank the Lord, I can finally breathe, you know, and get the help that I needed. Um, and so that just sparked 
an amazing journey. Um, an amazing journey. I was there 30 days. I had the gift of desperation. I just did what they told me to do. You need to do this. Okay, you need to get a sponsor. Um, you know, you need to go to meetings. And then, of course, you have to go in front of the board of nursing because, for me, this is one of the most shameful, awful things you could ever do as a nurse, ever. And never in my whole career did I ever have an inkling to steal medication or even take anything for myself, ever. It never even crossed my mind, ever. And so I didn't know who I was. Because I was Caroline, the ER nurse. That's who I was. I had excelled, achieved, and all of that in my career. But I was literally dying as a person. And so, um, anyway, I went in front of the board of nursing. And they took my license. They said, you're suspended for a year. You're on your own. You can't do the program here because you diverted. And um, I said, okay, well... That's not going to stop me. So I um, kept track of my recovery on spreadsheets. Mind you, when they dropped me off at treatment, (laughs) I had my highlighters, my pins, all this stuff. Clipboard. All right, just tell me what to do. I'm just going to put a box by step one, step two, step three, step four. And I'm just going to, you know, check them off as I do them because I'm the OCD type A organized gal who's just going to get it done. Well, I, they kind of had my number. So um, my counselor said they had given me an assignment, I think, that day, my, one of my second days or something and, um, after detox. And he said, um, have you started working on your assignment? And I said, I finished it. And he said, well, give it to me. Um, you're not going to be working on this anymore. And he said, and you're going to go put all your stuff back in your room, and you're going to go back to your room, each time you need to go somewhere new and see where you need to go because you're not going to have it all planned out and whatnot. I've got your number. And you also need to ask for help with everything. So someone needs to open the door for you. Someone needs to get your lunch. Someone needs to do everything for you because they knew it. They had my number because I'm the kind of gal who has 10 grocery bags on each arm and my husband's trying to get the door for me and I'm like, no, I got it, I got it, (laughs) you know? Because that's, just ask him. (laughs) He'll tell you. But I was in control of everything. And I don't need your help. So anyway, um, but they had my number. And um, I got out of there. And they put me in, you know, extended day treatment. I was in treatment five days a week. And then they extended. I was in treatment nine months straight. So I just did that. And then... Um, you know, I did have a relapse in there. I will say it was a two-day bender. That was a mistake. I thought that I'd drink one glass of wine for my anxiety. (laughs) It's just comical because I didn't have one glass of wine. I had a bottle and then was on a two-day bender or whatever. But, um, anyway, relapse and that and, um, you know, figured out, yeah, okay, I really am an alcoholic. (laughs) Not like I needed any more proof, but just wanted to make sure. Um, but anyway, moved here to Arizona in May of 15, so we packed up and moved, but this time it actually wasn't, it wasn't for anything but an actual, um, job change. This time I wasn't running, and so, um, 
it's been an incredible experience moving here to Arizona. Um, as soon as I got here, I knew I needed to get plugged in. Found a great group of women in Verado at the fire station. Walked in there with open arms with my two little boys. Those women sweep me up, help me with my babies. I brought them to, to meetings all the time. And um, found my sponsor, Erin, and she's been amazing. And she's taken me through step 7 through 12. And I feel like when I got here is like truly when my recovery, my true recovery really started. Um, not to mention the wreckage actually still followed me here. I mean, I ended up having my car repoed. I was two hours from getting my car repoed. And what do you know, Cactus Jacks had a van for $700 off the lot, missing a seat. Um, got it by the grace of God. And I'll tell you what, I've never been so grateful for a vehicle in my life. Um, I, my, my electricity was being shut off. I mean, this is still the wreckage of it, even after I moved here. And this program honestly helped me have the fear of economic insecurity left me. It just left me. And I thought, oh, hell, my electricity is being shut off. Not to mention, I was in tears trying to get it turned back on, but it got turned back on. And I remember I came home one day and I said to my husband, did you know I was able to buy Q-tips today? And he looked at me like, you are batshit crazy. He said, Caroline, we have college degrees, and you're grateful for Q-tips? And I said, yeah. He just, he had to, he, I think he had to walk away. In fact, I think he had to leave the house. He was, so, he was so upset at the time. Because who is grateful for Q-tips when you're in dire straits, you're living in one bedroom, you're having to rent your rooms out? I mean, it was... It was a hot mess. It really was. But you know what? I was in this chaos, just happy for Q-tips. Because that's what Alcoholics Anonymous has done, and that's what this program has done for me, and that's what all of you wonderful people have done for me. Um, And so you just continue to fast forward. You know, in all of this, I found a higher power, somebody uh, greater than myself, actually. (laughs) What do you know? Um... (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> but I always knew there was something, a God. I, I believed in God in different times in my life, but I never truly had a relationship with a God. I didn't rely on a God. Um, and so I, I finally got there. I ended up getting baptized a couple years ago. It was an amazing experience. Um, I just learned to hand it over, let go, let go, I'm not the almighty, I'm not the one who's always in control, I'm not perfect, I try to take back my will all the time, but thank God for um, this program to help me, help me release that, and just hand it over a lot more, I felt happy and joyous and free most of the time, Um, of course there's some days I, I go down a rabbit hole, you know, like I get on these things I'm obsessing about on here, you know, like decorating or, you know, I have all these (laughs) little things still. Um, But anyway, let me think here. Okay, so uh, let's see. So I made it through the steps. That's good. Um, I made it through the 12 steps, and I try to practice those in all my fairs every day. Um, You know, it feels so good to... um, be able to acknowledge when I'm wrong, too, because even with my husband, like, 
I, I held on stuff to stuff. I was so resentful, and it took me a really long time to do my amends to him because my sponsor would say, Caroline, because I would go to read it to her, I would try so hard. It just couldn't come from the heart. Like, I was still pissed. And so I would try, and she, <laughs> I even Googled, I'm not kidding, I will say it, I Googled how to make amends. <laughs> how to make amends. And she goes, it really sounds like a speech every time you're saying it. And so I went to church one day, and I don't know what it was. Well, it's God. That's what it is. But I went to church one day, and it was close to Valentine's Day. And I, uh, I went to the store, and um, I went to pick a Valentine's card. And I'm not, I would never be one to pick a religious card. But this religious card, you know, that religious section popped out at me, or spiritual or whatever. And I grabbed this card, and I read it, and I was like, this is a card. So I went home, and I thought, I'm just going to sign it now so it's all done by the time he gets, gets back, you know. And um, I sat down at the table, and I went to sign it, and I swear to God, it must have been a God thing, but I swear to God, within 15 minutes, my whole amends was written, signed, and tears were just streaming down my face. It was the most incredible, incredible thing. And so when he got home, um, I was able to read that to him and and make sure that he knew, um, you know, how sorry I was that how much my my disease affected him and, you know, our life and all of that. And so it was, it was a changing, changing moment in, um, in, in our life, our relationship and me and him. And it's just been incredible. And so when you make your amends, you know, you have to do it just owning your part and not knowing what the response is going to be or if the other person is ever going to say they're sorry. And so it took me a long time to get to that point, but it was incredible when I did and then by the next year, you know, he's picked up pieces of this program too. And so um, men have such perfect timing. But um, we were on our way to a, a football game, and um, our kids' football game, and um, we're just driving in the car. <clears throat> and um, he made his amends to me, you know, and he was so sorry he let me down, you know, whatever he did, and he let me down on all those times over the years. And and um, I was just, I, I couldn't believe it. I was just flabbergasted, and I just bawled like a baby. I'm like, right before the football game? you got to be kidding me. I can't go watch flag football now. But it just goes to show how incredible this program is because um, it's worked in both of our lives. If you're, if you're willing, if you're willing to do the work and you just have an open mind and you're willing, I just feel like, you know, it's changed my life so much. And, and today, like, um, I can pay my bills today. Um, I was able to get um, a car that I can pay for. Um, you know, I just don't, I don't have to stress about that anymore. But even if it was a stressor, like, I know I could handle it, like, with this program. I know I wouldn't have to drink or use or anything um, if something didn't go right. And so um, another thing that's huge is our boys you know, they have sober parents, and so, you know, he's, he's been abstinent, too, and I think that's so incredible, because I have that support, too, and he did the family program at the treatment center, and all of that, so it's been really helpful, um, and so I just have incredible support in that way, and, um, our boys have good examples, you know, they, they have sober parents, and they get to come to these AA meetings, and they get to hold your, your these awesome people's hands when we say the Lord's Prayer 
And I just think that's so cool because, um, you know, I didn't have that um, growing up. And I just think that's going to be a lot more awesome than having um, drinking parents. And another thing that I've learned that's so incredible is boundaries. Um, because all my family still drinks, except for my dad. He just celebrated 29 years as well, and um, he was a raging alcoholic when I was growing up. And so um, he's gotten sober too, which is really cool. I really look up to him for that. And um, so anyway, they, um, you know, hopefully we can show them the way. And if they do become alcoholic, then at least we can... Um, know how to handle it or prepare for it a little bit better that's for sure so boundaries love and tolerance and acceptance for this disease like my mom she's still an active alcoholic but I used to be really resentful towards her and everything but the thing is is I love her she's a great person and I know it's good people bad disease and so um, I've just set boundaries certain boundaries like I don't talk to her after 4 p.m. I only talk to her in the mornings because that's when I get my mom. That's when I, I, I don't get to experience the drunk Carol unless I'm around her. So we, I, I keep, keep my distance from the rest of the alcoholic alcoholics in the family. And that's been healthy for, for our family unit, for sure. Um, what else do I want to say, really? I'm just so grateful for this program and what it's taught me. And I am a grateful recovering alcoholic. And that lady, I don't think she's so crazy, even though she was in there for like her third or fourth time. She really got to experience what I know, what I know now that I've, I've gotten to experience. And so, um, anyway, I'm just, I'm just grateful to be here. I'm, I think alcoholics are some of the best people I've met in my life. And, um, the, the great thing is, is, I, um, you know how they say, don't regret the past, no wish to shut the door on it. People say, wow, you, you really are grateful for everything you've experienced. And I, and I just, I, I literally would not give one bit of it back. Not diverting, not to where I was sticking down to my knees, none of that. I really wouldn't give any of it back to be where I'm at today. I'm just, I'm literally full of gratitude for, for what I've gone through. And um, how I came out the other side. And it, it really is possible for anybody who's struggling. Because I just told my sister-in-law, she, she struggles with alcoholism. And I just told her, if I can crawl out of the deep, dark hole that I did, I know you can too. So just progress, not perfection. And just keep trying. And, and um, anyway, I'm just going to end with that and open up the meeting if anybody wants to share or anything like that. So thank you so much. I forgot, I just want to say one thing. I forgot just a couple details that are really important. They're really important. Um, <laughs> so um, after nine months of being here in Arizona, um, um, the Board of Nursing here did give me my license. Um, and so um, I could take care of you. I am, I am okay to do that. And, um, and um, I know that... Um, I am a nurse, that's what I do, and it, it is my passion, but um, I know also that um, I'm Caroline the person, and I'm okay just being, just being Caroline now, and, and I know my worth, and, um, and 
Oh, and I sponsor three women, and um, I'm going to be sad to leave them because I am moving at the end of next month. I leave Arizona and move to Washington. Not, I'm not running. <laughs> I am not moving for a job and um, for his job again. But um, I will plug in as soon as I get there, hopefully pick up some women to sponsor, um, pour coffee, whatever I need to do to stay um, active in this program. And uh, Washington State also gave me a nursing license. So that's incredible. So that's all. Ha, ha, ha.